Mommy, you are iconic. I'm iconic too. I'm definitely iconic too. Hey there, it's your host, Daithia Garns, the She and She's About Business, and you are listening to the She's About Business show. This is episode 12 of season 4 of the award-winning She's About Business show, aka The Sab Show. This season, we are working on living iconically and with purpose. Of course, as always, giving all honor to God for all of his amazing blessings and to my Savior, Jesus Christ, just for being my Savior, my friend, my love, the lover of my soul, all of the above. And of course, thanks to all of you, my fabulous sisters and fabulous fellas for tuning in and for supporting the show. Over the last several weeks, God has given me and led me. And listen, let me just put this in here. I'm sorry to anyone out there who would prefer if I didn't say that God gave me a message or he led me to discuss a message. I'm sorry if that's too deep for you, (laughs) but this is the call that's on my life, okay? And that is how he speaks to me. And I have been led to talk about healing a lot over the last several weeks. I believe that 2020 exposed a lot of brokenness in folks who thought they were okay. And so I believe that there's a need to talk about the need for healing. And so as I am being obedient and listening to what he's telling me, he's been leading me to do a lot of episodes and conversations about healing. So for all of those people who thought they were okay before 2020, and then found themselves depressed and broken and sad in the midst of the pandemic, a lot of the reason that they found themselves there was because they were only okay if they had a job and money and could socialize, right? Now, I'm not saying that being in the midst of a pandemic is not depressing because it really is. It really is. But a truly healed person can survive and strive and stay connected to their morals, values, beliefs, and their creator, even when the job and the money and the socializing, all of those things are absent, even in the midst of the most difficult times because they've gotten their healing and they're able to find peace within themselves through their creator and not really based on any outside thing. And I'm trying to tell you, it's a very difficult thing to accomplish because unfortunately, when God creates us, we are all created healed, but through our encounters and interactions with other people, we become broken in some way. I don't care who you are. In some way, whether it be big or small, you have suffered some fracture, some brokenness that you need to heal throughout the course of your life in order for you to be the very best version of yourself. The version of you that you would have been had you never encountered that fracture or that brokenness. Now, for me personally, many times God has taken me on this journey where I have to go through this this place where I needed to be humbled. I had to lose some things, right? I had to go through some really severe struggles that many people around me didn't understand because they had never experienced that and so many of them walked away but I'm happy to say that my children and I needed to experience those times so that we could have humbleness and learn to serve other people even when we didn't have so 
For that, I am very thankful. But 2021 is a year, I believe, to heal because I really, truly believe with all of my heart that if you don't heal in 2021 and beyond, you won't be able to handle the things that are coming. And we just lost um, DMX. And I will say my brother in Christ, DMX, who fought so hard to heal. He was trying so hard to get over the things that have happened to him, the brokenness and the fractures. And he gave his life to the Lord and he tried so hard to heal. But unfortunately, he lost his physical life at the very young age of 50. And I honestly believe that maybe his healing and the battles that he fought could have been won or never even started had he had more healed people in his corner, more healed people in his life. Because healed people heal other people and hurt people hurt other people. And DMX had a lot of people in his life that did a lot of hurting. As I'm sure he hurt other people because of the hurt that he experienced. So it's like this ugly vicious cycle so i just pray right now for his family for all of his fans myself included because i i did shed some tears um because he put his soul into his music and many times it was gruesome it was ugly he was criticized for some of the things that he said but that was the life that he lived but even in the midst of all of that he also put things in there that nobody else had the nerves to say. My savior lives and God is real. And when I leave this body, I'm gonna see him. Those are the types of words that he put into his songs in addition to the gritty and ugly things that many people criticized him for. So just like all of us, he was an imperfect person because none of us are perfect and we're usually a lot of times torn between the environment that we've seen, that we know, and what we know is right. And that is why the healing is so important because healed people choose what they know is right. They don't choose what they grew up with or the environment that is surrounding them. Rest in peace to our brother DMX. So back on season three, episode 11, I introduced you all to my sister, Anika Ransom. She is now known and better known as Peace Ransom. She is a colleague who has suffered and healed from many things that, you know, most of us could never even imagine. You know, it's easy to think how difficult your life is until you hear somebody else's story. But what I love most about her is that she has gone on to serve others through her healing. And as she continues to heal, she remains committed to serving and healing others. She is a certified abuse an addiction recovery coach, just like myself. You've heard me talk about that. But she's also a certified trauma-sensitive yoga teacher. And, you know, I don't know much about yoga, but I love the fact that she focuses on helping people who have had trauma because trauma leads to brokenness, and it usually means that there's some healing that needs to take place. She's also a certified anger management specialist, as well as a teacher and a professor. And she's just an overall survivor, a fighter, and someone who, who chose healing over hurting or bitterness. She chose healing for her life. And just like me, just like you, it's a process and we are all works in progress, but I'm so very happy to have her here. And she and I are actually going to be doing a clubhouse room where we focus on healing. 
mind, spirit, body, and business. Because what we have found is that many of the things that block us or keep us from establishing our businesses are things that we need to heal in our minds, in our spirits, or in our bodies. So I'm super excited to have her partner with me on Clubhouse. If you are on Clubhouse, you can seek out the She's About Business um, Club. And if you join that club, you will be able to see our room. It's going to be every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we're super excited about that. So today our topic is healing is hard, but it's time. So hey, here we go. You know, one of the biggest things that I realized when I started working as a coach and started working as a minister even is that so many people really don't realize that a lot of their thoughts and feelings and behaviors and the things that they do, those those pesky things that, you know, kind of stick with them, they can't seem to get over, those things that affect their relationships, you know, they affect them being able to maintain a job, just their overall success. Um, a lot of times they don't really realize that it stems from things that they haven't dealt with from their childhood, or sometimes I think they don't want to admit it. And I have to say that I was kind of the same way, right? Like, what about you? Like you, and, and you know, maybe we needed to mature. Maybe you have to grow to a certain place. Maybe we needed the education that we have now, but a lot of symptoms and, you know, things that I was experiencing, I didn't know what it was. And so I can see that and really relate to that when I work with my clients. Would you agree with that? Like, did you experience that too? Yes, I experienced that in major. I had major um, bad coping uh, skills that I wasn't recognizing, you know, were symptoms of trauma and abuse. Um, mm. It's that some of us can be in denial, like we don't want to face it. Mm -hmm. Some of us may not even know that we've been abused mm -hmm. or or know that we've gone through things but not realize that, okay, that was dysfunction, that was abusive. Yeah. Um, like just, just one, like say for instance, you know, people that have repressed memories, you know, mm -hmm. something happened to mm -hmm. them so bad that, you know, their brain represses it. They're yeah. still going to have all of the symptoms yeah. of the trauma and the abuse, but then they're wondering like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Right. And sometimes it, you know, may take some talk therapy or some peel, peeling back some layers to yeah. figure it out. Absolutely. Um, I know for me, mine was, mine was denial for a bit, not understanding yeah. Like everything that happened to me. Um, and yeah, not not wanting to accept the fact that, you know, I was a survivor of a lot of things. But the, the most major was, um, you know, sexual abuse and trauma. Yeah. And I was in my late 30s uh, yeah. until I actually figured that out. Yeah. Sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, we grow up in certain environments where dysfunction and abuse is like a normal thing we don't really know until we get into a different environment hey not everybody goes through this you know this is and I know that sounds like a very simple thought it almost sounds impossible but I've seen it happen and I think a lot of times abusers depend on that you know, they're also very good manipulators. They they build the environment like that. They try to tell you that this is normal. And, um, you know, it takes us a while sometimes. Like I said, it's a lot of things that we need in order to get to that place of healing, maturity, education, support, you know, a reason to heal. You know, a lot of times your children come into your life and they give you a reason to heal. So, 
it's just so many things that we need to unpack as we talk about being in a place and time where it's time to heal. We can no longer continue to accept being broken. And I think 2020 shined a light. Being in a pandemic kind of shined a light on uh, for a lot of people. Like, hey, I have a lot of things going on that's not normal because a lot of people were spending a lot of time with themselves, right? Because it's easy when you're super busy and you're at work and you have all the noise. It's easy to keep yourself distracted, right? But I think 2020 made a lot of people have to look more at self and look at the, the world as a whole how kind of messed up it is and abuse and and even abuse that happens a little bit past childhood, right? Like, because it doesn't always happen then. Some people didn't experience that type of abuse and, and trauma until they got married or, you know, wherever it happened to you in your life, wherever you were exposed to it, one of the main things that the abuser does is tries to make it a normal so that you won't really think that your life be better in in a way right yeah so i think for me one of the one of the things that was really um an awakening is doing the genealogy chart you know Uh and and, you know when you're and when we do that in a from a therapeutic um stance we're looking at the pathologies and maybe some uh, some behaviors and things that were passed down to us you know people people are willing to do that with their DNA, but what about when it's time to sit down and say, hey, I do this because this person taught me this, or I do this because that person did that, and I learned this from this person. And for me, it was a very um, positive experience. I loved it because I eat that stuff up. I'm a learner, right? I wanna, I wanna do the work. But I've had two clients that could not think about doing it. And why do you think it yeah, is? Yeah, it's painful. Yeah. It's, it's- easier to let yourself be distracted by youtube or social media or drugs or alcohol or men or women or just whatever or work Mm -hmm. whatever it is it's it's easier to do those things than to face the reality and face the pain and don't you think too like what you were saying earlier sometimes repressed memories play a part in it Because they understand Uh that if you start unpacking that stuff, then those memories will come back. And another major thing is that a lot of victims continue to have relationships with their abusers. I've had a victim say, you know, I can't talk about it until he dies. You know, I can't talk about it because she'll get mad. I can't tell my truth because, you know, I was recently reading an article about a young girl well, she's a woman now. She's married, you know, has a family. And her sister actually abused her. And so now her sister is having a baby. And she's like, my family is telling me to let it go and get over it. And I need to, you know, be there for my niece. And I need to. And so a lot of it, too, is that the victim is often guilted into, hey, just get over it. That was in the past. This is your sister. You need to. And so you have to face your victim every single day in order to be a part of a family. I think that plays a lot into it as well. So if you are doing work and you're trying to heal and somebody like myself or like you is saying, hey, write this stuff down. Let me help you walk through this. But you know, you have to go to a birthday party in two days or you got to go to the cookout in two days and you're going to be around these people. That also makes it very painful. And and people will rather not do it. They'll suffer themselves rather than to acknowledge or even have a thought that maybe I don't want to be around my abuser. Because once you start getting that healing, a healed person is going to set boundaries. A healed person is going to say, you know, I don't want to go to the cookout. And so I, I actually think that that also plays just as, you know, big of a role because wanting to keep that family dynamic, wanting to keep those secrets, you know, wanting to oh, yeah. don't want to stir things up. So it's painful. But then it's also the fear of being that troublemaker or that person that everybody's going to look at. Like you started this and you 
but you really did it. It started way before, <laughs> and now yeah. you're just trying yeah, to get your healing. When mm-hmm. the victim speaks up, they always become the bad guy. Right. I, I agree with you that you know the desire for us to you know wants to be in that family unit um, sometimes will keep us quiet too, and it takes a lot of guts. Cause it was like that with my family. Like we put the Disfun and dysfunction. <laughs> I like that. Disfun. Uh, like the disfun. <laughs> um, like the fin reunions and cookouts. Like I would be sitting there just like looking at all of the fakeness. And it's like, yeah, there, there is the family unit, the family love and all of that. There is that aspect, of course, don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. But then it's like, there's that elephant in the room where you're like, yeah. I know so much. But it leaks out in other ways and then uh, clicks might form in the family. Mm-hmm. It may be little uh, snide remarks being made. You know, it leaks out, so that can cause a really huge hurdle if you're the one person in that dynamic who really is that person that wants to heal. But when you have to be around them and you have to talk to them and they're constantly acting as if nothing happened, then I think that that is a huge hurdle. It causes bitterness. It causes anger. And it just causes a lot of dysfunction. And so one of the things that you and I had talked about and we're going to be talking about when we do our room um, on Clubhouse is, you know, why do people stay silent? I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, just not wanting to stir up the pot, not wanting to cause more damage. Nobody wants to be outed in the family and want to be the black sheep. A lot of times the person who who we would identify is usually the person that will come to us, right? That will come to a therapist or come to a counselor or a coach because they realize, hey, I need to do better. I'm ready to heal. That person, a lot of times they do walk a little bit different. I just did uh, an episode last week when I was talking about, you know, genuine people, people who really, really are very genuine and loving and kind. They have no ulterior motives. They get abused a lot. They get mistreated a lot because it's like, oh, she thinks she's better than us or she thinks she's this. And but it's not that you just realize that you want to go down a different path and you want to, you know, you want to be the best version of yourself. And so if if you're in an environment where that's not the, the norm, it makes you stick out like a sore thumb. And I think people want to just avoid that because they've already been through so much pain. Don't, they don't want to, you know, be ostracized. They- They don't want, like, to be the outcast, but then, too, just want people to realize that, like, we're re-victimizing ourselves when we Mm. keep putting ourselves in that situation. I love that, yeah. Where we're, like, we're ignoring loyalty to ourselves. We're ignoring our own boundaries, you know, just to keep everybody else happy or to, Mm -hmm. you know, make them still quote-unquote love us and to be accepted and all of that let's look at that for a moment because i've noticed there's this thing where if you're not a black woman who and, and i'm sure it happens to all women but the black woman in particular has been labeled as the strong black woman right meaning they put up with whatever's given to them they they take the abuse. They take whatever you whatever the black men do to them. They take it. Whatever their children do to them, they take it. Whatever white folks do to them, they take it, and they still keep on going. Man, them black women are strong. There's this narrative that's been created, which allows us to just take all of this burden and we carry it. And the first black woman who says, "Listen." I don't want to. I make my own money. I got my own, you know, I don't, I'm not going to let you abuse me. So to some people, then, oh, you trying to take a man's place. There's this willingness or this acceptance of abuse on black women. And and (laughs) I see it so often that... It's it's just crazy. I mean, what do you so so that also plays a role in it because we often don't really have many people that protect us as black women. 
And and it yeah. starts as when you're a little black girl, you don't, you know, because abuse, child abuse wouldn't happen if more people protected black children. Children, you know, children in general, because all types of children get uh, abused. But I think in the black community, there's often a lack of protection. Because a lot of times children are not being raised by their parents. They're being raised by other people, you know, people within the family. And in my opinion, nobody is going to protect my child or take care of them like I would. So you're already leaving the door open there in a way. And then it's like, you know, granddads and uncles and things like that. You should be able to trust these people, but you can't, you know, you but it's, it just seems to me that there's this willingness for black women, black girls to be victimized and everybody thinks that they should just be able to take it. Even if we look at something less, um, less, you know, on the topic of abuse necessarily, but look at Meghan Markle, look at how they, they treat her so horribly but, you know, they they look at her sister-in-law as she can do no wrong. And everybody thinks that's okay. And I think that yeah. it's because, you know, Megan's a strong black woman. She, you know, she, in the whole narrative, she probably got an attitude. She probably, so it's like, it's okay to abuse a black woman because they're strong enough to take it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. Like, they're, they're strong enough to take it. Like we're not even human. They don't. Like, we're, we're not. Yeah, like we're not valued enough. Um, you know, like you said, we're not valued enough as humans. Uh, I think there's some deep-rooted resentment. Yeah. Like just culturally, out of society. Mm-hmm. Um, because like just thinking about like the men that listen, what do you say, Kevin, whatever. Kevin, the, Kevin Samuels. Um, Kevin, whatever. They have some nicknames for him, but I'm not even going to disrespect the brother like that. I'll just call him by his name. But, but <laughs> it's like, I, I can't imagine. And he's a black man. He's a black man. Okay. I can't imagine that he has a good relationship with his mother. And the man or his daughter is coming out now that he does not have a good relationship with his 20 year old daughter at all either. But he's over here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and the men that come in and enjoy do not have good relationships with their mother. And and then it's just this whole awful cycle of dysfunction. You Mm -hmm. know, it's like, you know, the. The women are beat down. They don't get the work. They don't heal. Then they have these children. They're not able to be, you know, as good of the mothers and emotionally available. And then their daughters and sons grow up to resent them. And then we have a Kevin. Um, exactly. That, you know, yep. views black women as beneath and less than mm. and, and has this animosity, yeah. deep rooted, you know, animosity. It's, it's it's just so broad. It's, it's, it's very it, broad. It, it affects us at such a huge level. It really does. And one of the one of the the um, I guess one of the reasons that we are doing the clubhouse room. One of the reasons that we're doing this today, even just opening ourselves up to have this conversation, is because we are proponents, definitely. Um, for entrepreneurship, right? And we we um, definitely support <clears throat> black women in business and women and women as a whole. But um, you know, the name of my business is She's About Business, right? So one of the things that you and I have talked about is that for me and I believe for you as well, a lot of what was holding us back from being able to really step into our purpose really start our business, really just begin to be the very best versions of ourselves, including our in our business life, was because we needed healing in other areas. And so I was able to connect the dots, you know, with that in my own life. And I realized that I had to do some work in other areas before I even had the confidence, the 
you know, the, uh, the, the strength, the ability to step into my business. The call was already on my life. God had already told me what I was going to be doing, but I couldn't even see it. Honestly, I knew it deep down, but I couldn't see myself doing that because I was so broken. And so, you know, our goal is to help women unpack some of these other areas, get their healing, um, you know, healing of the mind, healing of the spirit, healing of the body and then the business. And so that is what we're going to be doing um, with our clubhouse room. Did you face that that same, you know, type of struggle? Like, you know, because it's like either you have an entrepreneurial spirit or you don't always knew I was going to be an entrepreneur. I didn't feel it fit in well in the nine to five world. Um, and I think that many people know and they and they're trying, but it's just not working. But a lot of it is because of your own stuff. If you if you're not healthy emotionally, spiritually, you can't build a healthy business. You may have some level of success, but it's going to something's going to happen because, you know. So what, what were your what was your experience with that? It's very interesting that you said that um, you'll have some level of success, but something will happen. <laughs> uh, in my previous work, um, I was in uh, sex therapy and sex education. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, did reach, a, you know, a very good level um, of success. Uh, you know, my ex-husband uh, <laughs> one of my abusers, like we were, you know, in Ebony, there was, you know, talks of a um, reality show, like things were going really well. However, still due to some of my issues and, you know, an issue at the issue that, uh, you know, a survivor has is we do have the superwoman. I have to do everything mm-hmm. myself. A complex and that came in and burnt myself out and pretty much like was one of the catalysts that messed up my career yeah. I couldn't be at my best self because I wasn't healthy on the inside mm-hmm. so yeah something did happen so like I did reach a level but because I wasn't all the way like healthy and whole and centered yeah I couldn't really perform and be my best. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Absolutely. I am my best service. But now, like after going, you know, through the healing process, I'm able to be of better service, uh, you know, to my clients and my students, you know, but also to myself because mm. if if I'm not, you know, being of best service to myself then everything else is going to go away. Absolutely. And I think also when you talk about being the best best service to yourself, just because of some of the things that we talked about previously, just a few moments ago, a lot of times we feel guilty for even trying to take care of ourselves because we've been taught. Strong black women put everybody else first. You know, and that's so not true. Healthy people understand that if they don't put themselves first, in a sense, not in a selfish way, but you can't do any of the other things that you've been called to do. So one of the ways that um, I walk through it with my clients um, is the the airplane example. You know, if you're on an airplane and you have a pair, you only have one parachute and you have your child with you, who are you going to give the parachute to? And every single time they say, I'm going to give it to my child. And I say, well, you're both going to die. You're both going to die now because your child doesn't have the capacity to know what to do, to know when to pull the string. So the best thing to do would be for you to take care of yourself first, put it on, and then you hold your child and you jump and then you can save you both. It's, that is honestly how it is. But we do that. We're going to give our food first to the child. We're going to give our this to our man. We're going to do this. But if we're the one, and, and I shouldn't have even said anything about a man. That's a whole other story. But, you know, <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're the one with a particular call in your life, or if you're the one who 
is um, whether you're married or single, even if you consider your husband to be the head, you're still very important as the woman. You have to take care of yourself. You have to. And we have not been taught that. We have been taught to give the parachute to everybody else first. And then the whole family's just going to die. And that's, I think that happens a lot in the black community. Yeah. You know, Ooh, and I love that analogy that the whole you. family, yes. I mean, the, the woman is so important to the family, the matriarch. And if she isn't healthy, like you said, the whole family, like that, that dysfunction, they're going to. Absolutely deteriorate and, and see the family deterioration yeah right and see the the difference i think the difference is that men say if you have if you have a man that is a single parent because we know they go through that as well but i think because of the way they're built the way that god created them to be the one that go out and take care of the family they understand that they have to put the parachute on and then they can save their children I think the nature of a man, they understand that. But a lot of families only have a mom, unfortunately. And because of the way that God created us to be nurturers and givers. And then on top of that, the pathologies that we've been taught, right? The the things that we've been taught, you know, that you're supposed to put everybody else first. So we have nature working against us because of our nurturing you know, in, in nurturing um, spirit and, you know, God created us to love and protect. And then we also have that dysfunction that we've been taught that we put everybody else first because back to the victim mentality, victims who stay quiet are actually usually putting somebody else before themselves. And so I think it just it just all goes kind of hand in hand. And that's why we see a lot of struggle and strife uh, in single parent homes when the mom is in um, is the head of the household, because a lot of times they give the parachute to everybody else. So I just wanted to because that that uh, analogy, it gets them every time. And, it, and I'm really able to let them see what they've been doing, you know, in a, in a way that it kind of wakes them up. And I used to do that, too. I think I absolutely did that with my older son because I didn't know any better. Now I'm totally different with my younger son. And so now it's it's this thing of trying to go back (laughs) and, and teach my older son, Hey, you know, mommy may have done some things, you know, great mom. You know, I, 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 we, we have, we, you know, we have a great life. We're blessed, but I, I spoiled him a lot and kind of baby him probably more than I should have. I was always giving him the parachute. What also is that teaching your child? Mom is miserable. I can tell she's miserable, but she's still doing this. So yeah. you can expect that out of everyone else. Expect that out of their Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're yeah. exactly right. And they're going to continue to expect that from mom. But when mom gets healed and she starts saying no, then it's going to be a problem. See? So so little things like that that really can shake up the dynamics of a family and really um, just really cause issues that don't need to be caused. So, you know, the, the moral moral of the story is being, being healed is better, right? It's time to be healed. So, like, from your um, standpoint, with your education and your background, which, you know, you've been on the show before. I've already told them how they can learn more about you. But like what what is some tips that you would give to women out there? I mean, we're going to be doing this in our in our clubhouse room. So, you know, we don't want to get too deep right now. But what is one good tip on how you can start your healing journey? Hmm. Whoa, just one. Just one. The very, and I'm going to give one, too. So you give them one. I'm going to give them one. If I could just give one thing, and hopefully this is going to sound like one thing and not ten and one, <laughs> um, but for for us to really pay attention to our negative thoughts and behaviors okay. and uh, coping skills, like to really like get honest and really take a look at them and find why find the root okay and then 
that's I'd say would be like the really good step into the healing is looking at all those negative and false beliefs mm-hmm. and actions and all of that and find the why behind them. I love it. All right. So I know this may sound uh, foreign to you and I, but a lot of people out there may not understand what exactly we're talking about when we're talking about, you know, getting those um, identifying those negative thoughts or behaviors and then identifying a coping skill that you're using. So let's let's unpack that for a minute. okay? so bad behavior is going to be um, being promiscuous, you know, having, um, you know, many sexual partners not really being committed or even if you are committed just you know being very overly promiscuous I mean and that's a behavior that I have seen that people come to me you know I don't know why I do this I don't know why I do do this so okay that's a negative behavior Right. So yeah, what? Okay. That's a, a negative behavior and 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 a coping skill, you know, that they've learned, that they've developed. Mm-hmm. I feel like, unworthy. I don't feel worthy of love. Right. I go and get this man. I have sex with this man. That makes me feel like I'm somebody. So it's like it's become this negative behavioral pattern and and coping skill to mm-hmm. feel good. Yes. So, yeah, yeah basically, they <laughs> they have that behavior. They have they have started to really use that behavior as a way of coping because they don't feel worthy. So the, the negative thoughts or the negative um, pattern, negative behavior really is um, I'm not worthy. Right. Or I'm unworthy. And then the way that they cope with that is by having multiple sexual partners. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So yeah. another yeah. one would be um, feeling as if they can't they can't succeed in life. Right. Or um, maybe having some dreams um, and just feeling like I'm never going to accomplish this. I'm never going to be able to do these things that I want to do. So that's the negative thought. And then a behavior for that would be maybe drinking. Right. Mm-hmm. So they may drink because of some of these negative thoughts. Let's do one more. I'm going to let you do the whole thing this time. <laughs> like, um, let's see, we could even coming back to your example, though, like, a, you know, a person that has thoughts of, you know, they have these dreams, they want to do it, but they don't feel like they can. Um, so, yeah, maybe they drink, maybe they procrastinate and then mm-hmm. it's like, See, I, they, they procrastinated and then didn't get done. See, I knew I wasn't, I wasn't worthy of it. I wasn't any good. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, another, um, you know, another coping skill, you know, could be shopping. Yeah. You know, shopping, not feeling good enough about yourself. Uh, trying to keep up with the Joneses, mm-hmm. uh, this buying this dress, buying this outfit makes me feel better. Yeah. Those feel good endorphins are released. You know, mm-hmm. I feel like it's gonna make me better. Yeah, uh, it be a, a a negative uh, coping skill that we've developed. And you know, you know spending and shopping. Yeah, and to go with that, I've had um, experiences where I've had you know a few clients that I've worked with who feel unheard Uh and that leads them to shop because they want to get attention so it's like I'm not nobody listens to me nobody pays attention to me so they attention seek and then they spend a lot of money on their outside appearance you know so a lot of shopping um things like that so yes so that was a good one yeah that just made me think about a huge one um that's huge now. Social media. Oh, um, goodness. Yeah. We want the validation and the likes from social media. So we are posting, you know, the half naked pictures, the, you know, the booty pics. Look at my booty. Yeah. Just booty. You know, like, <laughs> just the boobs. Like, we're, we're, we're objectifying ourselves and, doing different things just to get that validation. 
And again, it's like, why am I doing this? Because you want to feel good about yourself. Because you want to feel worthy. Why don't you feel worthy? It's it's going, still digging into into those roots. But it's a coping skill to, again, it goes like to the beginning of, um, of, of, the podcast today of the denial mm-hmm. um, and yeah. not even understanding that what they're doing is not a good coping mechanism. Right. It's not a good, you know, it's not good. It's not good for you to post booty pics. This, right. this means something. This actually means, means something. something. But they think, no, I'm just cute. And I'm, I'm all that. And if I love me, it's like, no, no, there's something going on there. And they, they, are not realizing that many of the celebrities and the people that they are looking up to also are doing this stuff to cope. It's just that for them, they have the ability to earn money by doing it. So that um, earning money factor kind of reinforces that negative behavior. And so they keep doing it. But we can't, that's why we can't look up to them. We can't look to them as role models on how to get healthy, (laughs) And how to live a healthy life because many of them are not living healthy lives. They look good, right? They got the body because they can snip, snip, do whatever. They have money, right? But that does not equate healthiness or happiness. And so we don't realize that many of them are struggling. And so what we see that everybody thinks is so cute. Oh, she crazy. She fun. That's really a negative coping mechanism for something that this person is dealing with they just happen to be able to put that into a song and make some money or go on there and post like you said a a crazy looking outfit and be looking good or crazy or whatever and make money from it because everybody's following them so it's like do you want to trade your health and your happiness for that to follow a celebrity who is not healthy or happy they may be wealthy but they're not healthy or happy. And I think that we have made it a habit to seek generational wealth, but we need to now make it mandatory in each of our families that we seek generational health. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why I'm really excited about this clubhouse is because The dialogue needs to be out there. The dialogue that, no, we're not supposed to be giving parachutes to everyone else uh, first. Like, we're supposed to be starting our days with loving ourselves first, like, with self-care. Like, this type of dialogue, it just, it needs to happen more. And that's why I'm really excited about, um, you know, this clubhouse so we can start to... I don't want to say change a narrative, but, you know, enhance it. Give the truth. Like, absolutely. Take back our power. No, we don't mm-hmm. have to shut up just to, you know, keep everyone happy. And, yeah. you know, just all of these false beliefs that we have as women, as black women, as humans in general. Absolutely. You know, have to accept it. And, yeah. We can be being mushy and gushy because I'm starting, you know, getting all feely. Hey, well, we both will. I'm gonna just end on um, on this note. This is also something that um, a question that I always leave my clients with, and they have to come back the next session and and talk to me about it. But um, it was also a, a question for myself that was very helpful, and I know I didn't give you this question before, so you can answer it if you want to but if not we can always talk about it in the clubhouse room because I it just came to me that I wanted to end on this um the question is what promise did God make to the world when he created you and that question asking myself that I believe that he promised the world not a perfect woman you know not a perfect person not a perfect mother not a perfect friend but someone who loves people and who is going to help other people heal. I believe that's what he promised the world when he created me. And I will die trying to accomplish that. To help other people find their answer to that question. And then be able to achieve it. 
That's what this is all about. But you cannot do that unless you believe that God promised the world a broken person when he created you. You know, that's between you and him. But you can't achieve something amazing and great if God created you for that being broken. It's time to heal, guys. That's it. Thank you so much, Peace. You're you're great. This is awesome. Yes, this was amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm so looking forward to this clubhouse. Yes. Me too. I hope everybody listening is going to join us if they're on there. So I'm super excited. And I just, you know, love the fact that you and I can be doing this and show that two women, two black women who are, you know, a little different, but a lot alike as well, can come to the table and just be so genuine and loving and kind to each other and to other people. And I hope that that translate in everything that we do together so thank you thank you so much for being my partner in this clubhouse project and i'm looking forward to it too love you sis love you all right fabulous ones that's the end of the show for this week i am daithia garns the she and she's about business on facebook and on instagram as she's about business so i hope you guys enjoyed this episode And I hope that you will take your healing seriously, even though it's hard. Listen, you have to do it. And I am a black woman and I'm unapologetic for that. But I'm talking to you, sis. Yes, you, whether you are black, red, yellow or white, you deserve and need your healing. And hey, I love not only my fabulous sisters but also my fabulous fellas and you deserve and need your healing too because it all starts with the head the top of the family if you believe that you are the head of your household whatever you are everyone connected to you in your home will also be so get your healing man Thanks so much again for all of the support. And don't forget that it's so very important to me and to the show that you leave a rating or review on the platform of your choice. I appreciate those of you who have taken the time to do that so far. Thank you. Thank you. And if you're listening on Podomatic, iTunes, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Luminary, Podbean, or any of the other platforms, please review and share the show. If you're listening on YouTube on the She's About Business channel, please subscribe, share, and like. All right, until next week, let's work at living iconically and with purpose. And remember that we are on this journey together. I absolutely adore you guys.